This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome in to another edition of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Hey friends, how are you? I'm Chris Mack. You are watching this if you're getting the visual on 93.7 The Fan's YouTube page, or you just may be listening to it inside your free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. If you haven't downloaded it yet, maybe you're listening to us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever it may be, Spotify, did I mention them? Uh, however you get your podcast, be sure to follow and or subscribe to Fifth Avenue Faceoff so you get alerted to new episodes as soon as they are available. But yes, that includes your free Odyssey app where all the best Penguins coverage is going to be, not just from Fifth Avenue Faceoff and 93.7 The Fan, but whatever else you may want. Our, our friends Hunter Hodes and Pat Damp with Locked On Penguins. Uh, you have a whole lot of room in your Penguins fan heart for podcasts and content, good original content, and that's why you're here, and I appreciate you. Today, we will visit again with Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and the Spits and Suds podcast. He gave us a little preview the other day of what to expect with the Dallas Stars coming into town, uh, playing exceedingly well up until last Saturday night. Then they played exceedingly poorly against Philly, but still somehow pulled out a win. Uh, we'll get Gavin's point of view it'll actually be him sort of leading the conversation for his spits and suds podcast but the two of us going back and forth about what we saw from the stars and penguins on tuesday night uh and i'm curious what your feedback is as well please don't be afraid whether it's on the 93.7 the fan youtube page on twitter on facebook wherever you see a clip of the show or the link to the show itself or within your favorite podcast app to leave some feedback. Uh, what do you think about this team now? Because I'll tell you what I think about this team right now. I think it's old. Like, I hate to be so damn simplistic about it, but this is an old team that's looking like an old team. Um, that's what I feel. You know, you remember the the move, the Adam Sandler movie, uh, Big Daddy, right? And uh, the kid gets left on his doorstep. Um but he takes the kid out to go get wings the one night and they, he sees his ex-girlfriend. Right. And he finds out she's dating some like really old guy. And he asks about the, the, the old guy in a, in a certain uh, part of him. Um, that's a podcast. I can say his old balls. Ooh. And so I'm starting to wonder if this is just an old team. Ooh. And it's not just the fact that, you know, by average age, they really are the oldest team in the league. It's because three times now in their four losses, and they are two and four now on the season, they have had moments where they were on fire, just a wagon, right? You had those moments in the first period tonight where the Penguins looked like you just needed a breakthrough. And even if you didn't get the breakthrough, you'd get enough, right? Because Jake Ottinger 
despite some of the numbers he has and the way he was playing in the first period, is not actually superhuman. Uh, and so it was just a matter of time, right? Especially after Brian Rust got that goal late in the first period, you're thinking, all right, here we go. Um, instead, they get the power play soon thereafter. They've got about a minute 45 of it left to start the second period, and they do nothing with it. In fact, the Stars, I think, had more scoring chances on that Penn's power play than the Penns did. And from there, things kind of evened out. And before you know it, uh, the Pens are getting sloppy in their own end. Almost as if, well, I was going to say almost as if they were trying to do too much in order to create offense, but that really wasn't it. I'll be honest. It, it, that, that wasn't it at all. In, in fact, when I go back and look at my notes, and I'm going to pull them up here, um, because I think it's important to note that those two goals, those first two Dallas goals that were scored in the second period were not because the Pens were quote unquote trying to do too much. Like, oh man, it's just, we're generating all these chances. And they did high danger chances in the first period. The Penguins beat Dallas eight to nothing, eight, nothing in high danger chances. I think it was in the first period. Uh, the seventh one was the one where they finally got a goal from Brian Russ. That's how much Jake Ottinger was standing on his head. And we know he's a good goaltender. That part shouldn't surprise us. Um, but even, even after the Penguins' early power play in the second period, and then Jake Gensel got hit for an ear, interference penalty when Dallas uh, got a power play. Going into that power play, it was, and actually, I think coming out of the power play, it was even a, a bigger uh, spread in shots on goal. Yeah. After that power play, uh, the Penguins kill off the Dallas power play. And it was really good PK. They kept everything to the perimeter. And um, Lars Eller actually had a shorthanded chance that he put off the crossbar. But at one point early in the second period, the Pens were out shooting the Stars 22 to 9 in shots on goal. And again, dominating the high danger chances. But about a minute and a half after that Lars Eller shorthanded attempt off the crossbar, Jason Robertson scores on a turnover um, out high. And then there was some sloppy down low play by the Penguins, in particular John Ludwig, who we'll get to in a second. Um, just a lot of coasting. Evgeny Malkin coming back into the plays, coasting until he finally crashes down on his defensive crease. Um, it, it was nice work by Robertson but it could have been it could have been avoided. And then a little more than 3 minutes later, um Ludwig actually knocks himself out. Big hit on Roddick Foxa. That's not the moment I don't think when the wind left the Penguin sails by the way. Um and credit to Brian Metzer. He's fantastic. I consider him a friend. He does the intermission reports on the Penguins radio network and I happen to be listening to him during the second intermission. And he said he felt as if the air came out of the Penguins balloon after the Ludwig hit uh, when he knocked himself out. I, I think it was kind of, I think they were kind of losing it before that because the game had already evened out from the Penguins dominating and they didn't score early on a power play. And then you could start to feel the, the momentum shifting in Dallas's direction. Pens did their best with some of their best players on the ice and who were their best players on the ice tonight? Again, if you just go by puck possession metrics and uh, offensive production and generation, again, it was the third line. Again, 
it was Eller, O'Connor, and Zahorna, second game in a row. Those three guys were uh, a bright spot. But other than those guys, the pen seemingly just exhaled. <sighs> Man, we're not going to beat this guy, are we? And then Robertson scores, and there's no real pushback um, after that and the Ludwig hit. In fact, I-, I should take that back, other than from the third line. O'Connor was robbed by Ottinger. Uh, in the low slot off uh, an Evgeny Dodonov turnover uh, a couple minutes after the Ludwig hit. And then at one point, because they're now rotating 5D, uh, Ryan Graves and Eric Carlson were out together, and I thought looked really good together. Like, that's that's an idea we might want to roll with, Graves and Carlson, and let Latang and Pedersen play the second pair. Um, there was a, a great job by Graves of going to the ice to cut off uh, a Ty Delandria centering attempt. Um, maybe, maybe it was the Dadnoff goal then because the Dadnoff goal with about four minutes left in the second period, you know, if you're the Penguins at that point and you've dominated the first period, but only have a goal to show for it. And then you're playing fairly even in the second period, but you're tied up now, all of a sudden you can kind of still look at it and go, well, Ottinger's playing out of his mind, which he was and say, well, let's just keep pushing boys. Let's just keep pushing. Let's just keep pushing. And I think what really let the air out of the balloon with about four minutes left in the second period was, is it Dadanov or Dodonov? I don't think it matters. That guy scored his first goal of the season, cleaning up a rebound after uh, Tyler Sagan just absolutely walked Marcus Pedersen. And it's not, I'm not going to hold it against Pedersen too much because Sagan's hands are ludicrous. But Sagan kind of danced around Pedersen out on the left half wall to buy just a, an extra second for Matt Duchesne to head towards the low slot area. Uh, Duchesne did that, continued to push towards the net front. The puck comes loose, Dadanoff corrals it, um, and Duchesne outmuscles Latang, and there's space there for Dadanoff, Dadanoff, call him what you'd like, to clean up the, the rebound. And that's, I think, when you really felt the air escape from the Penguins' balloon. Um, Ryan Graves had another chance late in the second period that Ottinger stopped. Uh, There was a beautiful tic-tac-toe sequence with like five seconds left in the second period um, where Latang to Crosby to Gensel, but again, another Ottinger save. And... I understand. At that point, you're down 2-1. You can't beat Ottinger to save your life. And you're going to the third period now, trying to figure out, hey, what do we have to do? Well, I can tell you what you shouldn't do in the third period. You shouldn't wait a good 10 minutes to get your first even strength goal of the period. And that's what happened. Um... There was a big play by Marcus Pedersen to shut down a two-on-one early in the third. And it was after an Eric Carlson turnover. But as an aside, before we get into the rest of the third period, as my friend Josh Taylor from 4th Down in the Steel City, KDKA-TV, 93.7 The Fan likes to say, build the whole plane out of, and he usually says TJ Watt because we're talking about the Steelers, right? Build the whole plane out of Eric Carlson. When the top line, Crosby, Gensel, and Rust is not on the ice, 
ensure that Eric Carlson is out there. And then tell Eric Carlson to take the puck and go that away. Right towards, yep, I'm pointing right towards the opposition net. Because other than the top line, we're just not seeing any offense generated. Like the puck possession metrics are nice for the third line. I mentioned them earlier. I want to continue to give them credit. Eller, Zahorna, and O'Connor, seven shots for and only one shot against. That's great. And four high danger chances, I think, for and none against. I want to make sure I have that right as well. Um, yeah. So maybe the answer here is when the second and fourth lines are out, you ensure Carlson is out and there to carry the puck. And even put him out there with the third line uh, when it lines up so that he can carry the puck into the zone and then the third line can retain possession, cycle it around, get to the front of the net. Um, because Carlson needs to be given more leeway and more latitude with the puck. It looks like he's still holding back a little bit. Anyway, a weak interference call on Chris Letang a couple minutes later. Um, doesn't result in a goal, but there's momentum now on the star side. And now the stars are the ones sort of carrying play. And before you know it, after a pretty little stop by Alex Nedeljkovic on Jason Robertson right in front at the top of the crease, uh, the puck squirts loose, and I, I don't know what's happening, but Nedeljkovic decides to come out way too far out of his net after Ryan Graves had turned it over, and the Stars score about five minutes into the third period. And now they're up by two, and... I want to make sure I have have the guy right. Uh, Thomas Harley got the goal. And his first of the season as well. So you had three guys tonight for the Stars get their first goal of the season. Um, at that point, when it's 3-1, you're like, okay. And clearly the Penguins felt that way too because that's when they really, really mentally checked out. Um, Mike Sullivan tried to, to spark things by putting Redeem Zahorna out with Evgeny Malkin's line. That didn't work. They get a power play, one last great chance to get back into the game about halfway through the third period. Instead, about 20 seconds into the power play, Jake Gensel all alone in the right-hand circle, all alone in the right-hand circle, elects not to shoot, passes, and then works his way to like the bumper position, finally gets a shot off there. But by then, it's too late. There's too much traffic between he and uh, Jake Ottinger. About 10 seconds later, Sidney Crosby, out in the right-hand circle, catches a feed from down low. There's your perfect low-to-high moment where you can catch Ottinger perhaps out of position. Instead, nope, we redirect a pass out to Eric Carlson at the point. Carlson then comes back to Sid to set him up for a one-timer, and at this point, Ottinger is with the flow and is right, right there in position. Both Gensel and Crosby passing up on opportunities to shoot there. Ev further evidence of this power play just parking itself in patty cake land. Everybody wants to pass the puck and nobody wants to shoot it. We all want to score pretty goals. I mean, at this point, and I'll be honest, the second power play and the limited time they got tonight looked better than the first power play. There was an opportunity for, oh, and I didn't write it down. I should have. Uh, Riley Smith and, oh, who fed him? As you hear me leaf through my notes. Um Oh, yeah, it was uh, from Ricard Raquel. 
I did write it down. About 30 seconds into that power play that started the second period, 30 seconds into the second period, I should say. So about a minute 15 left on the power play. Mike Sullivan sends the second power play unit out over the boards. And Ricard Raquel sets up a beautiful little chance for Riley Smith. He wasn't able to put it behind Ottinger. It wasn't so much a save by Ottinger as, as Smith just wasn't able to redirect it, I think, the way he wanted to. But, I mean, give me give me Riley Smith. Give me Ricard Raquel, who was just taken off the top power play. Uh, give me, hell, give me Drew O'Connor and... Uh, redeem Zahorna and give me Ryan Graves and you know give me the guys who aren't going to all sit out there and play patty cake with one another tell Eric Carlson that whether it's on the power play or at even strength just take control and you know look realize this is an odyssey property um I, I shouldn't talk about people from other companies but I had an interesting back and forth conversation with another radio host in town today and he, he actually made some really good points about the Penguins' power play and how he feels Sid should be playing on the right half wall, Malkin should be on the other side, uh, let's not cater to Evgeny Malkin. Uh, to be honest, they were valid points. We went back and forth about it a little bit, but the one point that he made that I could absolutely get on board with, it was Madden, okay? Anyway. Uh, he he makes lots of really good points about hockey. So we'll leave it at that. Um, I'll talk to him about hockey. Hockey's, hockey's a good back and forth. Anyway, the one really good point that he made is let Eric Carlson cook. Just, just, just let Carlson run the power play. Let Carlson do whatever he wants to do. And I'm on board with that at this point. I know I mentioned it earlier, build the whole plane out of Carlson. But, you know, Put Carlson out there. Put, like I said, put freaking redeem Zahorna in front with Crosby on a half wall, Malkin on the other, and uh, Gensel out there or whoever, really. And let's see what cooks. Let's see what happens. It's just start firing pucks on the net uh, because this is not getting it done. When you go up an el- uh, against an elite goaltender, you're you're gonna have to get something from your special teams, and they didn't because. Nobody wants to shoot the damn puck on the power play. Anyway, uh, Nadelkovic just looked like a backup goaltender. The Penguins looked old and tired. And this is how you end up two and four. I, I, maybe it's not tired, just uninspired. They, they did. They looked uninspired and bothered for most of the third period can't have that the stars just kept plugging away now it was easy for them to plug away because well they were putting pucks in the net but something tells me had roles been reversed and the pens been up two one three one in the second period the stars wouldn't have stopped coming and the pens probably would have stepped off the gas a little bit it's look i've been watching it since the penguins were Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager and Kevin Stevens and Rick Tockett and, you know, go back through Ronnie Francis, even all the way back to Paul Coffey days. Mark Recchi, just run through the litany of guys who were here for one, like that one back there in 91 uh, that I just pointed to. Again, why you should watch the YouTube. But download the audio as well to go with it. Or 92. 
uh, or some of those teams really that didn't win cups, 93, 94, 95, 96. Um, they, uh, man, they have done it. It's, it's just always been part of the Penn's DNA, uh, to just let off the gas at times and look uninterested and you, you can't have it. You just, I'm sorry. Uh, this team had, and I'll get into this with Gavin in a couple of minutes. Um, this team had an opportunity this off season to do some really big things. Nobody thought they'd do the, the things as big as they did. And yet here they are. Um, so all that being said, uh, a poor showing for the pens that leaves you wondering how it gets turned around now. Like how many more moves does Mike Sullivan have in his back pocket? We'll talk about that after I talk to Gavin Spittle on the Spits and Suds podcast. We'll do a little crossover here next here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome, Stars fans, to an episode of Spits and Suds. Stars win in Pittsburgh by the score of 4-1. to one. Stay undefeated on the season. And joining me from a Pittsburgh perspective from 5th Avenue Faceoff, popular Pittsburgh Penguins podcast is my friend Chris Mack. How are you tonight, my friend? Good, Gav. How are you, my man? You guys should be a whole lot happier with what you saw from your team, especially in the last 40 minutes or so than what yeah. we are. That's a, that's a great point because, you know, on the surface, like if you're a passive Stars fan with everything going on with the Rangers and uh, the World Series coming, a lot of excitement, oh, yeah. Cowboys playing Sunday. So kind of the Stars are on the, on the back pages right now. And so you say, wow, they continued being undefeated. But you know, if you watch this game, I mean, this easily could have gotten away from the stars, like you said, 40 minutes, because that first 20 was a track meet. I thought the Penguins came out really fast. I thought they came out well. They forced some penalties. Um, but tonight, like we talked on your podcast the other day, it really it, it, it improved it. The Jake Ottinger show was on full display. Yeah, I mean, I think the Pens had, I want to say, seven or eight high danger chances in the first period to the stars, bupkis, zero, zilch, nada. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it, it, the Penguins really were dictating the pace of play and getting lots of really good looks. I mean, you look at the heat map for where the opportunities were coming from in the first period, Gavin, and it was everything for the stars was kept to the outside. So nine shots on goal at even strength in the first period for Dallas. Not a one of them came from inside what they like to call the house, from the hashes on down to the crease and inside. Uh, the Penguins, that was, I mean, it looked like a bullseye in that area of the ice, including where Brian Rust scored the lone goal for the yep. Penguins late in that first period. And it really felt like that's the kind of energy you, you would think a team would take uh, and sort of build off of going into the second period, especially going into the second period on a power play. But yeah. instead, they didn't really do much of anything on that on that power play to start the second period. I think that gave the Stars some life. They even had a scoring opportunity, Dallas did, uh, shorthanded during that Penn's power play. And from there, it really felt like the second period was used to kind of even things out. Jake Ottinger didn't have to do too much in that second period, and the Stars were able to capitalize on, on the chances that they did get against the backup goalie who slowly deteriorated throughout the game and Alex Andelkovich. Yeah, and one of the things that 
I was excited to have you on is just an outside perspective looking in because sure undefeated in regulation, but I think you could now see what we were talking about the other day in that, you know, this is a very good team, but it just doesn't seem like the stars are fully connecting um, right now. I mean, you know, they did get their legs and I, I do agree. They played a better 40 minutes, but it's just, you look at this team and you say, wow, I think it can be a lot better actually. Yeah, I think there's obviously there's more room for growth. Like they haven't even come close. The ceiling is the roof, to quote the great Michael Jordan. Um yeah. and, and and they're nowhere close to it yet. Um, like for example, the the Sagan line, um, they produce a really pretty goal, but for the most part, they kind of went unnoticed, I thought, tonight, other than that goal. And that's what I think the stars have enough talent for. You know, Jason Robertson gets his first goal of the season. Um, who else had their first of the year? Was it, um, a couple guys got their first goal, Thomas Harley, Harley. Um, and, and, you know, they, they were able to capitalize, make the most of their opportunities. And when you're as deep as I think the stars are, especially up front, I think you can do that. You can get away with playing, uh, maybe disappear. I don't want to say disappearing, but not playing as well, uh, for 20 minutes at a time. And you look up, especially when you've got your backstop back there who was just playing out of his mind and you can still win a game four to one. And that's, that's the vibe I got. Like, I I think the Robertson line still had a really good game. They end up uh, with some pretty dominant puck possession numbers. um, Despite the fact that they're the, they're the one line on the ice for the even strength goal. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they played really dominant hockey in the last 30 minutes of this game. Jason Robertson had a couple point blank opportunities ended up scoring on one, like I said. Uh, and it was just, it, once it started rolling downhill for Dallas, it felt like it, 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 the Penguins weren't able to reel it back in because again, Ottinger didn't have to do nearly as much in the second and third periods as he did in the first, but the foundation had been laid and the Penguins, I think had one even strength shot through maybe the first 15 minutes of the third period. They got completely and thoroughly outplayed by Dallas in the third period. Yeah. Shots on goal uh, finished 39, 34 in favor of Pittsburgh and shots on goal is interesting with all modern day analytics, because um, you can look at it and you can say, you know, okay, you know, they're just peppering the goalie, but where did the shots come from? Mm -hmm. But in that first period, I thought Pittsburgh, like you mentioned, had a lot of key, um, shots in, in quality areas. There were quality uh, uh, chances. I also thought Pittsburgh uh, did a great job in the first period controlling the faceoff circle. Um, and that kind of evened out as the game went along. You know, yeah. it, it was just interesting, just kind of a generic view for us because, I, you know, we do look around the NHL a lot and notice some empty seats tonight. And I just mm-hmm. felt as though the crowd wasn't getting into it you know it just it just seemed like a quiet crowd tonight what's the vibe in pittsburgh right now well traditionally the vibe in pittsburgh uh this time of year is kind of a wake me when the steelers are done kind of vibe you know it's it's probably somewhat similar in dallas yep. right to, to, you've got the cowboys and in a year like this one as long as the rangers are still rolling they'll obviously like you said have everyone's attention and then i imagine there's even moments once you push into January and February, where the Mavs garner more attention than the Stars in a lot of cases. Um, in Pittsburgh, it is very much wake me when the Steelers are done. It's not that people don't care about the Penguins. The average mainstream Pittsburgh sports fan does care. They're just not paying as close attention. And especially 
when a team starts cold, the average everyday fan, their reaction to this is going to be, wait, 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 wait. They got rid of Hextall and they, they brought in wonder kid Dubas and they got that Carlson guy, right? He's, he just yeah. won the Norris trophy. Yeah. What, how, 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 yeah. What's, what's going on? They, they, I thought they fixed everything. And instead, he, they they take a step back and they uh, wait. Ah, uh, no, they're just they're just still a bunch of old guys. Okay, well, in that case, um, and that I think is going to start to become the the narrative over the next few weeks. Uh, uh, again, if the penguin the penguins had a really interesting opportunity, Gavin, in that their first uh, the first quarter of the season or so, you could almost split right in half. The first 11 games, nine of them were against teams that either didn't make the playoffs last year or aren't projected to make them, or maybe be a borderline case like a Calgary this year. The only two games of substance that they really had were tonight and Colorado coming up Thursday, also in Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. So they had an opportunity to stack points because the second 11 games, I mean, it's intimidating. It's Jersey, it's Carolina, it's Tampa, it's the Rangers. It's a lot of really tough teams, teams that in all likelihood will finish ahead of them in the standings in the Eastern Conference. And so they aren't going to be able to stack a lot of points. And for a team that you would think would be somewhat inspired by not just the way they went out last year, but the fact that ownership decided to go all in on the group that's here, the core, the big three, as we call them in Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby of Genny Malkin and Chris Letang, go all in on the big three and add Eric Carlson. Um, and make the GM move that they did. Uh, th- that's that is it's not getting paid off on right now, and it, it's tough to see them go out there and play a third period like they did. Where I'll be honest, they look bothered to even be there at yeah, times in the that's third true. period. Yeah, and, and that and that translates itself into the crowd reaction sometimes, and the fact that you know the, their their years long sellout streak was broken uh, about a year and a half ago. I want to say. Um, there is, we've reached sort of a doldrums because it has been, you know, five seasons now since they've won a playoff series and yeah. like it or not much again, much like Dallas, the standard is higher where sports fans say, no, we've got to be competing for championships or else you're not getting it done. And the same thing exists here. And the frustration that exists around the Steelers, not winning a playoff game in the last six years has actually gone almost in lockstep with the frustration over the Penguins not winning a series in the last five postseasons and not even qualifying last year. So the frustration is always bubbling right below the surface. And it's it's kind of like the old the old story about the duck. You know, it looks very calm on the surface, but is just furiously paddling right below the surface. Penguins fans, Pittsburgh sports fans, on the surface are kind of like, ah, oh, man, this is, this is frustrating. But right below the surface are like, man, I can't believe this. What is going on? We were supposed to take one more good run with these guys. He's Chris Mack of the fifth Avenue face off. Check it out. Uh, good. Really, really solid uh, hockey podcast in Pittsburgh. And we're talking about tonight's game and there was some physicality, not as much as you'd like to see as a hockey fan, but in the uh, second period, uh, just a, it was one of Chris, one of the weirdest yeah. plays I've seen. Um, it was just, you know, so hit on Radic Foxa mm-hmm. and and just knocked out cold playing in his first NHL game. Um 
I, I mean, you know, I just felt so bad for John Ludwig. Um, you know, it was a guy that seemed really excited to be in the Penn's locker room, um, which historically, you know, since, especially since Crosby's been there from the outside, we hear yeah. about how great Jamie Alexiak, when he came to the stars, talked about how great that Penn's locker room was. I, I want to get your thoughts on the hit. I, first of all, I felt as though they kind of dragged him off the ice. I would love to see a stretcher in the future for those situations. Like I just didn't feel as though he had his legs, even when he was leaving the ice being helped off. Yeah. It was tough to tough to watch and, and credit to uh, at least, I don't know what the, the, uh, the, the Dallas uh, side of things uh, showed, but the Pittsburgh side of things, Sportsnet Pittsburgh did a good job of just, just panning away from it, you know, giving yeah. crowd shots and bench shots. Um, because it was, it was scary. You know, you see a guy go down like that and you know, he's out before he hits the ice um, here in Pittsburgh. Anyway, it's for, for fans of a certain age, which is probably like 35 and older. Um, it's always reminiscent, eerily reminiscent of Kevin Stevens being hit mm. by Rich Pilon in the 93 playoffs. He was out before he hit the ice. And because he was KO'd before he hit the ice, he had no control and he hit the ice face first, had to have like major, facial yeah. reconstruction surgery changed Kevin Stevens career at really that did. point. Um, but you know, that's 30 years ago. This wasn't nearly as bad, thankfully, but you're right. John Ludwig, just, just a guy out there making his NHL debut. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and coming at it, you know, play comes from a, a he's check uh, check born, but comes from a WHL background. So his whole background is speed and intensity, right? That's how they play out in the WHL. Everybody's flying around trying to make a name for themselves, looking for a hit, looking to make a big play. And they brought him in to kind of goose this team, give it a little bit of energy. Yeah. He, he brought it. I thought, you know, he got hung out to dry a little bit on, uh, I want to say it was, um, uh, who the dad goal. Um, but then right after that, he had yeah, that, that hit. And it looked like his face caught Fox's helmet and knocked him out. That's what I was thinking, because you look at the contact and, you know, basically it was head on, but it wasn't like, yeah. you know, shoulder into the face or anything like that. And uh, I think Radic Foxa was stunned. Yeah, you, you could see him over on the bench afterwards looking at the iPad, just sort of scrubbing back and forth on the footage, trying to figure yeah. out what had happened. And he did. He looked totally unfazed by it, even though at initial contact, it looked like Ludwig got the better of it. But obviously he didn't. And And that put the Penguins in a situation where, you know, they had to play with 5D the rest of the way. I think in some cases it gave the Penguins maybe a look at some things they could try later. Like Ryan Graves looked okay with Eric Carlson. Um, Chris Letang skating with Marcus Pedersen again, I think, is something to keep an eye on. But you're just trying to you're just trying to keep legs fresh at that point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Pittsburgh 0 for 3 on the power play. Stars 0 for 2. So no one really got it going on the uh, power play. I thought one of the key moments in the game was – uh, Pens did have a short four on three power play yeah. that the uh, stars were able to uh, keep them at bay. Yeah. You know, that should lend itself to the, the, the penguins, right? With all the skill out there, you would think that they would be able to make the most of the open ice, but actually I, I think I've found that, you know, you know, it's rare you get a four on three, but in this era of, again, the big three, the core three, as we call them, um, it actually lends itself to this power play, playing more patty cake than they do even at five on four. Like it's everybody's sitting around the perimeter and everybody's waiting for the perfect shot. And that even continued into the third, you know, there was a point where the Penguins got a late power play that if they score on it, 
it's got an opportunity to get them back in the game. And instead, what you got was at one point during that that same power play, Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby each had an opportunity down low in the right-hand circle to grip it and rip it. And neither one of them did. They elected to pass. And they each got an opportunity to get a shot off a couple seconds later. Gensel was in the high slot by the time he got the puck back. Crosby got it right back on a, on a sort of give and go um, and ripped one from the very same spot in the right circle. But by that time, you know, the goalie has, has tracked it at that point. Ottinger was on it. The puck had come from low out to the circle. Crosby does not take the shot. And instead, it comes back to him a second time. And Ottinger's in better position to read the play and make the save. And that's unfortunately been the problem with this power play. They brought in Eric Carlson, which should sort of unlock some things. But instead, we're getting the same philosophy of pass, 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 keep it around the perimeter. They don't really have anybody of significant size on the inside to play in either the bumper position or right in front of the net. And it's it's lent itself to a, a lot of empty power play opportunities, including that four on three you mentioned. Yeah, one one of the players that, you know, shockingly, it was kind of an under the radar signing by Jim Nill and the Stars is Craig Smith, just a veteran uh, who's played with a number of teams and played really well once again. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of talked on the podcast, you know, maybe we'll be a healthy scratch and come in. It provides that depth that the Stars needed in case of injury, but uh, you know, the way he started, he's found himself in a fourth line, you know, just a, yeah. just a solid. And we're, t- you know, we talked the other day about that depth and Craig Smith is a, a perfect example, a guy that can kind of move up in lines and he's a big body kind of struggled with some injury over his career, but just a, just a solid NHL or really paying some dividends for a, for a cheap salary cap salary. Yeah. I thought he had a great game to be honest. Thought, yeah. um, he, he, especially when he was with Marchman and Foxa, I thought that trio Looked really good. Delandria, I thought, did, did not have a fantastic game. And so I think when Smith was able to get away from Delandria, that helped him a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's that's what you need out of a fourth line. I mean, you look at high danger chances in particular, um, that fourth line, I think, I want to say they generated three and, and had none against Marchment, Foxa, and Smith. So yeah. that's, if you, that's the one thing, again, to bring it back to the Pittsburgh perspective on this that people have been clamoring for is get us a depth line that isn't just going to hold serve, so to speak. Get us a depth line that can produce some offense. And there's some hope, even despite a game like tonight's, that Redeem Zahorna, Lars Eller, and Drew O'Connor can be that. They just called Zahorna up a couple days ago. They had a great game, that line, in St. Louis, despite losing there on Saturday night. They had another quality effort tonight. Um, They also... Uh, shut out the opposition in high danger chances for nothing. So uh, it, that line is finding something, but the fourth line, Nieto, Achari, and Jeff Carter is struggling. And again, other than the top line of Crosby, Gensel, and Rust, or Eric Carlson, they're not generating really a lot of even strength offense. It's something they're going to have to figure out. I mean, it might get to the point where it's just, hey, if you're if it's not the top line, it's just Carlson and go. Um, you know, let, let, let Latang and Graves play with the top line more often than not. Let Eric Carlson soak up as many minutes as he can outside of that. And just, Hey, win the face off, get it back to 65 and get out of the way because, you know, he, he has the ability to do that. Does it lead to some turnovers? Yeah. We saw one tonight in particular, um, where they actually got a great play by Marcus Pedersen to break up a two on one, but I'll take the offensive ability 
because the Pens right now are just having such a hard time generating offense at even strength. Bud, you're a good partner, man. Maybe I should get rid of Ludwig. <laughs> he'd beat me up. He'd come after me. He'd pull my sweater <laughs> over my head. No, he'd beat me up first, and you'd have time to run. <laughs> I've challenged him to fights now for four years, and he's said no every single time. I'm like, let's drop the mitts. Let's just end <laughs> this is what they do in hockey. And, yeah, he just pushes me to the side, even when we're in public, which is which is pretty rare. But uh, it's it's pretty funny because you would think like off the Spits and Suds podcast, it would be different. But we do some charity events sometimes and people are yeah. like, wow, you guys are exactly the same. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Now I just have to sit for three hours while Craig beats me up. Verbally. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell tell them if you know if you guys ever need to go, you know, you ever need a three man uh, line, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm there. I'll, I'll just just like my my old intramural days at Penn State. I will just go to the front of the net, try hit that tripod stance with the with the blade down and the blue paint, and just l- let somebody bounce a puck in off of my stick and <laughs> throw the hands up. You are the man, Spits and Suds fans. Check out Fifth Avenue Face Off. He's Chris Mack of our sister station, The Fan in Pittsburgh. My friend, we got to do this more often. Thank Absolutely. you so much for coming on after the game. I love getting the opposition perspective because we talk stars a lot, but from a Pittsburgh perspective, as far as what you saw tonight, I think it's really valuable for our listeners. No, and I really appreciate you asking me on, Gavin, and for coming on Fifth Avenue Face Off the other day to give us a perspective on just what the Penguins were going to be up against coming into this one. I think, you know, Penguins fans – Knew that this was going to be a tough couple of games at home this week against Dallas and Colorado, but to get the preview that you gave us the other day really kind of crystallized a lot of things, and uh, we saw it We saw it play out tonight. So uh, best of luck to the Stars going forward. I want to see that team do well. I got family in Texas. So uh, by all means, go Stars, just not when you play the Penguins. If you could take it easy when they meet again in March, that would be Well, yeah, likewise, do not take it easy on Thursday night. Okay. We'll Colorado do our best. just is not losing. So please take care of Colorado. It's weird seeing an undefeated stars team in second place in the yeah. central. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do our best. We'll see if the pens can actually figure some things out. All right, my friend, go get some rest. All right. Thanks, Gav. You too. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Great to catch up with Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan and the Spits and Suds podcast. Uh, talking about the stars angle of things and giving him the Penguins perspective of things. Uh, he also joined us on 5th Avenue Faceoff a couple days ago to preview this game. Uh, previewing now turns to flips to Colorado on the Avalanche are a wagon right now. This is not the team you want to try and get right against, but the Penguins have to. The Penguins have to try and get right against Colorado. Now, you may remember last spring, it was February, I think, late February, uh, right after the All-Star break, I think it was. Penguins went slip slide into the All-Star break, right? Had that ugly loss to the Sharks going into the All-Star break at home. Uh, came out of the All-Star break. One of the first games out of the break was Colorado. They played them really well. They beat them, and everybody went, oh, and they figured some things out. Well, they didn't end up figuring anything out. They still ended up missing the playoffs, but the Penguins stood tall to the test. Maybe Sid gets inspired playing against his buddy Nate McKinnon. I don't know what it is, but maybe there's a similar opportunity on Thursday night for the Pens to find themselves 
against the Avalanche. Whatever they do, they've got to get pucks towards the net on the power play. Come in waves for 60 minutes and not run out of gas. I, I really do worry now if this is just all about a team being old. I hope that's not the case, but it's starting to feel like that's the case. A reminder, make sure you follow or subscribe to Fifth Avenue Faceoff, however you get your podcasts. Do us that favor because then you'll be notified as soon as new episodes are available. And if you enjoyed this one or past episodes, I think you'll enjoy future episodes as well. We'll meet again on Thursday night, late Thursday night, early Friday morning to break down that game against the Avs. Hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood. It is a W because this team desperately needs one now. And to get one against a team, the quality of the Avalanche would be a huge, uh, would go a huge way towards stemming the tide for what could very quickly spiral out of control for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the month of October. Uh, Until then, like I said, follow and subscribe. Watch it on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page. Your feedback is welcome. Thanks to Greg Finley for producing. I'm Chris Mack. This has been Fifth Avenue Faceoff.